0: from KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. It may have been cooler this past week with pockets of rain in parts of California, but that won't make up for our pitiful wet season, which has left vegetation dry and ripe for ignition. I'm joined now by Adam Kochansky, Assistant Professor with San Jose State University's Wildfire Interdisciplinary Research Center to talk about what his models are showing for this year's wildfire season. Welcome to Farm, Professor Kochansky.:
1: Hello, uh, thanks for having me. It's a great uh, pleasure to be with you guys.
0: Well, we appreciate having you on as well. And here in Northern California last week, as you know, Governor Newsom declared a drought emergency for Sonoma and Mendocino counties. When we say we had a very dry winter and spring, or we're having a very dry spring as well, just how bad has it been?
1: Well, it has been really bad. I mean, if you think about, for example, a snowpack that we still have in in many places in California, we have as little as maybe 30 or 40% of the regular amount of the snowpack that we would expect to have in April. And, And the same if we think about the precipitation and the overall amount of precipitation that we received during the spring and winter, I mean, it's very, very low. So um, we it's less than 40% probably on average. So those are very, very serious conditions in, in the context of know uh, fuel moisture and, of course, the subsequent fire danger.
0: Yeah, so what are you seeing in terms of moisture levels in vegetation?
1: So when we sampled very recently uh, fuel moisture at uh, our stations near um, Bay Area, it was very astonishing to see that that for the first time in many, many years, it's probably over 10 years uh, when uh, we have been sampling the fuel over there, we recorded actually April moisture content below 100%. And just to give you an idea, normally during that time of year, we would expect something between 120 and 130%. So that's something that we haven't seen before. And when we looked at the data from the previous years, you could actually see like a very significant trend over the last four years, corresponding to the drought conditions that kind of shows you the decreasing amount of moisture in the spring. But also, as a consequence of that, we should expect also very low fuel moisture content during the summer months and in the middle of the fire season. So that's that's very problematic.
0: Because it keeps decreasing as we get into summer, right? The warmer it gets.
1: Exactly. So normally, this fuel moisture uh, that we get Uh, during the winter and spring, it would be like a reservoir of the moisture that would allow us to kind of go into the season and still have some reasonable amount of water in the plants. Now, if we start from very low levels, like we start right now, there is really no much hope to have uh, enough moisture in the fuel during uh, the fire season. So basically Mm -hmm. just starting from now, the situation will be, only worse. I mean, it's not going to be better because in, in this climate, we cannot really expect to have uh, any significant amount of pre- precipitation later into the season. So basically, whatever the plants were able to gather up to that point, then they will be only losing this moisture. So it's not going to be, get better.
0: So when, when plants are dry, they not only light more easily, but they're also more prone to infestations, correct?
1: Absolutely, so there is a couple of consequences of that. Uh, You know, the first one is just the fact that if we have less moisture in the fuel, of course, this fuel is more flammable. So in other words, it will be way easier to ignite a fire. But uh, that's one part of the story. But you can think in a broader perspective that, uh, for example, a relatively mild winter and dry winter will also uh, put some stress on the plants and they will be more prone to infestation. And that uh, in turn will basically lead to a situation when trees are not able to survive and they will be dying. And the tree mortality will be a consequence of that as well. And to make things actually even worse, if you think about um, uh, the climate uh, changing, and if you think about the fact that we have mild winter, relatively warm and not much precipitation, that also means that, uh, for example, pine beetle will survive the winter and will have much larger population of pine beetle kind of ready then to infest more trees. So Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it will be like a really combination of the effects, but leading also to more tree mortality. And then those trees, of course, when they die, they will have way less um, moisture. And at that moment, they will become very flammable and they will lead to, to very intense fires. Yes,
0: how does a low moisture content in plants affect a fire's intensity?
1: So basically, uh, uh, here is a couple of different aspects how we can think about it. But in a very basic sense, if you think about the fire propagation, we have uh, this biomass that burns and it provides some energy. But uh, some of this energy, if we have moisture in the fuel is consumed because it's needed to evaporate water from those plants. So basically we lose some of this energy to evaporate the water and as a consequence of that, this fire is not that intense and it doesn't propagate that fast. Now, if you think about the opposite situation when we don't have enough moisture in the fuel, if the fuel is very dry, at that moment we release a lot of energy and this energy is on one hand leading to faster fire propagation, easier ignition, but also if we think about more intense fires, those more intense fires are harder to control. So that's another problem coming from that.
0: Yes, we, we hear about how they generate their own weather almost, that, that they create their own wind patterns and things like that.
1: Absolutely. So that's, that's uh, one of the things that we uh, really started observing more frequently recently. And last season was a good example of that. Uh, Normally, we would think about the situation when we are really worried about the the fire um, propagation and fire intensity when we have a combination of relatively dry fuels and at the same time, for example, we have a wind event. So like classical kind of Santa Ana events and those destructive Santa Ana fires, that's that's something that we kind of keep in mind when we think about it. But the interesting thing is that it's not the end of the story because at the moment when you have fire, which is very intense. And when we think about intense fire, basically it will mean that it releases a huge amount of heat. So if it releases huge amounts of heat, and you can see that all those very vigorous plumes formed above the fires, the circulation induced by the fire is gonna change local winds. So we say that the fire at some point will really generate its own weather in a sense that this plume that rises above the fire will generate so-called chimney effect. So there will be an inflow of uh, air into this convective column, and this inflow of air, this, this movement of air is nothing else but wind. So, mm. so the fire essentially will generate its own wind and just the stronger the fire gets, the the more intense this heat release is from the fire. Also, the stronger is going to be the the response of the atmosphere. So we'll have also stronger winds. So that means that if we normally just thought, okay, it's not that windy and uh, this fire is going to be relatively easy to control because of that, because it's not going to be that fast propagating, but here the situation may be completely different in a sense that, yeah, maybe outside of this fire, 50 or 20 miles away from the fire you won't see this effect, but near the fire line, where the fire actually is happening, where this fire is being consumed, the winds over there will be actually much stronger and this fire will be so intense that even if the ambient winds are not that strong, but near the fire line, those winds will be really Mm. strong enough to to fuel the fire and to generate you know really strong and intense fire behavior
0: we're talking with Adam Kochanski, Assistant Professor in the Department of Meteorology and Climate Science and the Wildfire Interdisciplinary Research Center at San Jose State University. You can join us with your questions for him and also to tell us how you're personally thinking about preparing for this year's wildfire season. 866-733-6786 is the number. Email address forum at kqed.org. Twitter handle at kqedforum. Dana tweets, we have fire season prep on our to-do list, and it includes replacing old windows and making sure we have fresh filters for the air purifiers. Of course, hotter, bigger, more intense fires, as you described, lead to poor air quality across a much broader expanse of the state as well. Is there anything that you would add in terms of the best way to protect ourselves, Adam Kuchansky?
1: Well, I think, yes, if you think about the smoke exposure, very important thing. So, of course, those are very good ways to limit our exposure indoors if we can. So, absolutely spot on. But also, if we think about those kind of long-term trends and if we think about what's going to happen during the upcoming fire season, there is also some things that we can do. Because if you think about the general climatology of fires in California, California, majority uh, is really caused by humans and our actions. Uh, so only 12% of those are natural ignition. So there is a hmm. lot wow. of things that we can do to make the situation better because we may have very, very dry fuels and we may have as a consequence of that very, very high fire danger. But at the end of the day, you need some form of ignition to actually start the fire. So as long as we don't have those devastating dry Uh, thunderstorms as we had last season, we may be okay, but only as long as we are responsible and we don't start additional fires and we don't make the situation even worse.
0: Wow, so you're saying nearly 90% of these fires are human caused, uh, which gives us some sense of when we feel pretty helpless about the fact that we had a dry winter and dry vegetation, things that we can't control, there are actually things that we can definitely do I guess one of the things that I'm wondering, though, is um, what do you think about how the state should handle it? I mean, controlled burns is something that's been considered an effective strategy. Do you agree?
1: Well, absolutely. I I, I think that's the great way to to improve the situation. Uh, And um, of course, if you think about what we want to accomplish by having those prescribed burns, we of course are after reducing so-called fuel fuel load. So in other words, we want to have a fire that will consume this excess of fuel buildup. So afterwards, even if another fire happens at the same location, there will be not that much fuel on the ground. If we have a limited amount of fuel on the ground, there is a couple of consequences of that. But what, number one is that we would have less intense fire over there. So if this fire is less intense, it will also be easier to control. So that's definitely a benefit of that. On another hand, also you may think about the situation that when you have those prescribed burns, those prescribed burns, they are not that intense. So basically those fires are mostly surface fires. So they don't really damage the whole vegetation. They do not damage trees. They just remove the fuel from the surface. And during the actual wildland fire that happens whenever it happens, we don't have control over it. So basically, very often those fires get very intense and they consume canopies and they really damage trees, they damage ecosystem as well. And on top of that, if you think about it, it's also a benefit coming from the fact that when you have those prescribed burns, and because they don't consume that much fuel, if they don't consume that much fuel, they also will produce less smoke. So we have a better handle of that, and we don't have a situation that there is a huge, gigantic wildland fire, and then we are under the smoke cover for many, many weeks with exceptionally high concentrations of PM2.5 and all other pollutants. So that really helps at multiple levels.
0: We're talking about what to expect from this year's wildfire season with Adam Kuchanski of San Jose State University, assistant professor there, also at the Wildfire Interdisciplinary Research Center and uh, you're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim and Michael in Santa Rosa is with us. Hi Michael, what's your question?
1: Hi, uh, I remember a couple years ago when we had a very heavy rainy season that that was problematic because it caused a lot of growth of grasses and shrubbery which of course dry up then in the summer. Is there some type of balance then Mm. between a drought and a heavy rainy season?
0: Michael, such a good point. I mean, Professor Kochanski, even in a rain heavy year, um, we can't avoid intense wildfires. I'm, I'm thinking about the Kincaid fire, which a lot of people said was massive in part because of the growth of vegetation from a lot of rain early, uh, in that year.
1: Yes, exactly. I mean, so uh, if we think about, you know, the situation, everything is going to be a a little bit different depending on what type of fuels we are considering, but you are absolutely right. If we think about the situation that we have enough fuel moisture, enough moisture, enough precipitation uh, for the biomass accumulation. So we have a growth of plants and we have, you know, all those grasses happily growing because finally they got some rain. Well, at some point, unfortunately, this biomass will have to burn. So the worst situation that we can imagine is actually a situation when we have relatively uh, moist air and we have the vegetation kind of growing. But then in subsequent years, we dramatically reduce the amount of precipitation and all of a sudden we go into the drought conditions. And that's pretty much where we are right now. Because if you look at the climatology, just a couple of years ago, we didn't really have that much of a problem. And our uh, average precipitation, let's say, you know, three years from now or five years from now, it, it wasn't that bad. But then we just enter those drought conditions. And then, of course, those plants that grew, then they are becoming drier and drier, and at some point when they burn, that gener- generates a serious problem.
0: Well, let me go to Tom in Las Gattis. Hi, Tom. Join us. Hi, Mina. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I remember uh, last August, uh, the lightning uh, fires, it was about four and a half days before the uh, tankers took to the air, fixed wing and rotary. Uh, I think the governor finally had to get on their case. I don't know it was a work uh, stoppage you know, for more money or what, uh we going to have that problem this year? And uh, should the governor call in the uh, military if uh, civilian pilots uh, have a work stoppage or well, want to risk their lives? And also curious, Adam Kochanski, what your models, I mean, what the likelihood is that we'd have a lightning siege like we did last last year?
1: Well, okay, so, uh, you know, definitely we, we have to be prepared. Now, how exactly, you know, we should do that that's a kind of you know different question, and I'm not really qualified you know, to comment on that, but uh, absolutely uh, last year, I would say it was a little bit unique because we had uh, this heat wave, and just right after the heat wave we had uh, those dry thunderstorms that started you know, simultaneous uh, fires and, and that was absolutely. Uh, horrifying and, and it was you know very difficult in the sense of, of um, fire suppression because mm. at the same time all of a sudden you have to to, to to battle multiple fires and those fires are, are huge. but just to, to to relate to that a little bit if you think about the, the, the problem here it, the problem is also that we really have difficult access to most of these fires. And if you have in the middle of the mountain a fire, I mean, you may have your know, military, but 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 then just you know getting there on time is problematic. That's one thing. But then there is another thing that there is a limited amount of things that we can actually do. And and after certain threshold, if the, the fire becomes too intense, it's not even safe to send you know any firefighters or anybody to combat the fire. So so you have to keep that in mind that it's not always just a matter of having the actual people that would go and do something, but at some point, just, you know, those fires are too intense really to, to be uh, put out.
0: Professor Kuchansky we are coming to the end of the hour, so just quickly wondering how soon your models are telling you we could see very large wildfires this year?
1: So, uh, Looking at uh, what uh, we expect the weather conditions to be, probably somewhere within June, July, we can expect in some parts of California elevated fire danger. Elevated, Mm -hmm. which means it's going to be even worse than it normally is.
0: Adam Kuchanski of San Jose State University's Wildfire Interdisciplinary Research Center. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And thank you to Susan Britton and Ariana Prale for producing today's segments and our listeners for their questions and comments. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera,